0: Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're in the room with us or worshiping online with us, we welcome you. If you're here in the room with us, would you stand? and Let's get ready to worship the Lord today.
1: a hand clap of praise, like you love the fact that he woke you up this morning, that you're grateful for the fact that he loves us and that he's always doing good things in our lives. Amen. Amen. This morning our scripture is found in the 126th chapter of the book of Psalms. And this is what the word of the Lord reads. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, It was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nation said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Can we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord for hanging the sun up in the sky to light this earth. We thank you, Lord, that you woke us up this morning. We thank you, Lord, that whether we have a song of praise or whether we're trying to get to have the song of praise that you gave us, the unspeakable joy that you gave us through salvation, that we're here, that we're worshiping you. So, Father, we ask that throughout this worship experience, that the songs that are sung sound like sweet music to your ears. When we read your word, Father God, please let it penetrate our heart. And as we hear a message from you, from, our, from your manservant, the angel of this church, Lord, let that word not fall on fallow ground. Let us be inspired to do what you created us to do, Don't let anything get in the way of your purpose in our lives. We just thank you, Lord. We love you, and we praise your holy name. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, everyone. My
2: name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. We are preparing to launch a new support group in just a couple of weeks. Divorce Care is a safe place where caring people come alongside you as you find healing from the pain of separation or divorce. At this 13-week video-based support group program, you'll find helpful counsel to manage the emotional turmoil and practical tools for decision making. This group will be facilitated by Dorothy Dan and will meet Tuesday nights from 7 to 8.30 p.m. from February 22nd through May 10th. To learn more or to sign up, go to ctcde.church/lifegroups. Grief is difficult and often lonely to navigate with all the emotions that go along with it. Grief Share is a friendly, caring group of people who will walk alongside you through one of life's most difficult experiences so you don't have to go through the grieving process alone. This group meets on the first and third Saturdays of each month from 1 to 3 p.m. and is led by Pastor Ron Montague. To learn more, go to ctcde.church/lifegroups. We believe it is very important for us to be a part of encouraging our community to stay safe and aware during the COVID pandemic. To help with that, on Monday, February 14th from one to 3 p.m. at our Ellsmere campus, we will be distributing COVID rapid test kits. If you or someone you know is in need of home test kits, please share this information with them. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week.
3: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see all of you and nice to see sort of see everyone online. Good morning (laughs) and welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Um, So if you are new here, again, welcome. So before you leave, once you go out the sanctuary and go to the left, you'll see the welcome center where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by some from our pastoral staff. And again, it's a welcome center, so you can look around there. It's really nice and get the chance to, you know, meet new people around the congregation. And for those of you online, you can simply click the New Here button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. And again, back to everyone else in person, whether you're at your seat or at your table, you will see a connect card where we would love for you to fill it out so we know that you were here today. And also you can write down a prayer request too because we're always praying for you. And again, same goes for all of those online. You can either click the connect card button at the top the bubble
4: that just popped up in the chat. Thank you. Great to see all of you here this morning. Great to have all of you here this morning as we gather together uh, to worship our Lord. And as we think about uh, the ways that we worship God, I just want to say, take a moment and say thank you and tell you something about the impact that you all have uh, in our community because of your generosity, because your willingness to serve, because of your willingness to pay attention to the neighbors who are around you. A couple of years ago, we used to have a meal that we served uh, out of the Ellesmere campus. And uh, uh, it was on Thursday, Thursday late afternoons, and the people from the community would come. And uh, it was a very small crowd, but there was one gentleman that came every week. His name was Butch. Uh, well, we, we stopped that program after a while, but we kind of stayed in touch with Butch now and then. We learned just after Christmas this year that Butch had passed away. And we only learned it was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so we started asking, well, what happened to Butch? Where did he go? What's going on with him? And Pastor Sharon from the Ellesmere campus started making some phone calls and couldn't find any information about Butch. So she went through the funeral directors that she could and finally found that Butch's body had been placed in the county morgue and it was labeled indigent because they couldn't find anything about this man. Now, Pastor Sharon had heard that he was a veteran and thought he deserved a, 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 an honorable burial in the veteran cemetery turns out as she explored that, she discovered that he had a plot in Grace Lawn Cemetery with a headstone on it with his name on it, and the the woman that he had lived with for many years was also buried there and she she was buried there with him. but there was nobody that was taking responsibility for any services for for this man so Pastor Sharon called me and she called some other funeral homes, and said, here's a funeral home that's willing to donate a casket, but there are the burial expenses. The, the cemetery, uh, you know, if you, uh, maybe you haven't buried anybody <laughs> yet, but it's expensive to open a grave and to place it in there. So because of your generosity, we went ahead and said, hey, we're going to, we're going to do this for Butch. So we've got a picture here that we want to show you of uh, a few of us gathering this last Tuesday at Grace Lawn Cemetery, and there's Pastor Sharon. And some of his, his uh, childhood friends showed up and some other neighbors from the street on which he lived and a couple members from the church. So I just want to say thank you. And the point, part of the point is this. We are able to do these kinds of things because we can act quickly because of your generosity. Because you say, God, I'm going to give to my local church because... You tell me to give and it's good to give. And our church finds out these kinds of things and they need to have the resources available quickly so that we can make these kinds of decisions. And I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for your impact on a street. And, and all of the neighbors, of course, were glad that, that uh, somebody was taking this opportunity to give Butch an honorable uh, burial. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you. And it's also, we purposefully do not ask uh, for specific offerings very often. Maybe at Christmas time we'll ask for a special offering, and maybe at Thanksgiving we ask for offerings of food, uh, but we're not, we're not asking for extra donations of money. We do that on purpose because we want to encourage you to just give so that we as a whole body can respond to these kinds of needs very quickly and in kind Uh, in any way that we can. I just want to say thank you. So continue that kind of generosity because we uh, make a big impact in our community. And I say thank you. So as you think about giving, here's one of the principles that we follow. And here's a great big long sentence. I I love it when we get to principle number eight because it's so simple. Let's read this together. We give generously. And a scripture that supports that. Let's read this together. Feed the hungry. And help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. From Isaiah chapter 58. Old Testament teaching. God is always teaching us to do this. Wherever we are, give generously and our light will shine and it will shed away whatever darkness is is there. That's worthy of worshiping God. About So let's continue to worship God as we sing, and I invite you to stand as, we, as I offer a prayer, and we continue to sing. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have. And thank you, Lord, that we can see the difference that living according to your teachings makes right here, right now, right in our lives, right in our families, right in our communities. Lord, we take this moment and thank you for the life of Butch and we just thank you for, for our association with him and his his willingness to come and have some meals with us and be part of the community, which is ours at Ellesmere. And we thank you, God, for all these things. Hear our prayers this morning. Hear our praises. And come and be present with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
5: Serve
0: a God that is mighty, that is powerful we come today to simply give thanks to that God who is almighty and all-knowing. Thank
6: you. The wind is watching every gesture of your hand. Waves of fear collapse at your command. I know tomorrow when the pressure rushes in.
0: celebrates all the great things that God has done and will do and is doing in our lives. But I want you to know today that God is worthy to be praised just because of who He is. Even if He didn't do all that stuff and we all, how many people like stuff? I love stuff. And once I, my wife can tell you this, once I get stuff, it never leaves. It just keeps accumulating. And I passed that along to my daughter, much to my son-in-law's dislike. But we all like stuff. We all love to be blessed. But God is worthy.
5: He's worthy to be praised
0: just because of who he is. The psalmist said in 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with him. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised, it says in another part of the psalms. So, Lord, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for your greatness. We want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you that you are the great I Am. We worship you today. Your greatness, just because... today we turn it around in praise and honor and glory to you because you are great and greatly to be praised so God we want you to know that we recognize today you already know how great you are Lord we want to as hard as it as hard as it is for us to wrap our brain around this concept God help us to as best we can understand that you are far greater, that you are far higher, that you are far more powerful than we can even imagine. That anything we're up against today or tomorrow or the day after that is not too big for you. So, Lord, today speak to our hearts. Pray for our pastor as he comes to bring the message this morning, the next in this series, God, we pray that as we are studying these letters to the churches of Revelation, that as the end of each letter says, and week by week we go through this, God, give us ears to hear what you are saying, and not only to hear, but to act, to repent, to make a change, to be different, to make a decision for you today and every day.
4: again and as we open up God's word we want to remember where we've been in our series this morning and looking at the through the book of revelation and uh, just to remind you the book of revelation was written to us to encourage us to inspire us to Are you kidding me? Well, okay, I'm a little bit busy right now, so you're just going to have to wait. Okay, sorry. Written to inspire us, to instruct us, to encourage. Oh my gosh. This is my wife. What? Okay. Oh. You know, you know I'm busy. So, I'll get to it later. Um, so, Oh, I'm on the wrong page even. Boy, it's so distracting. How are you kidding me? Excuse me. Hello. What? We just left yesterday. Okay. Well, I don't know, I've got a couple people here that might be able to preach for me. Jonathan? Anyway, okay. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Oh. Right. So imagine, as has happened in our marriage, Carolyn tries to get my attention, and I refuse to listen to it. I refuse to answer the text. Last night we we tried that with the, with some text messages, and and uh, you couldn't hear the. The ding from the text message coming in. So we just stuck with phone calls this morning. But what happens when I continue to ignore the messages, the warnings, the alerts that my wife is telling me? I need your attention. Something's wrong. Something's going to happen. What do you think happens in our marriage when we ignore those kinds of signs, those kinds of warnings? Uh, Those of us who are married already know the answer to our question, (laughs) to the question. It ruins, it affects, it damages our relationship with one another. And we're going to look in the book of Revelation here as we look at this, that the church of God is doing a similar thing. They're thinking that everything is okay with their relationship with God, but they're refusing to recognize the warnings that God has been saying to them. So let's look at Revelation chapter 3 this morning uh, as, we, as, as I was trying to tell you, remembering that this book is given to us to inspire, to encourage, and to teach us how to go through difficult experiences, painful experiences in our lives. So Revelation chapter 3, let's, let's look at this, beginning with verse 1. And again, oh, Fran, by the way, praying me as the angel... Of of our church, which is l- literally accurate, <laughs> because the word angel simply means messenger, one who brings the message from God, and in that sense. But it was a little bit humbling <laughs> for you to put me in that in the, in that spiritual position. But I do think that angels are spiritual beings, and there I think that there is. One, if not more, angels that God has assigned to protect us, to guide us, etc. But that was a humbling prayer. But you're right. God has placed me in this place. So, Lord Jesus, help me and help us as we hear the message that you have for us today. So, verse 1 starts, Write this letter, letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God, and the seven stars. Remember, in each of these letters, we're seeing Jesus pointed out in some way, and 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 this time, the description that refers to Jesus is the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. Now, this is a very very um, graphic and um, symbolic reference that I'm not going to get into. the the symbol of the seven spirits and the seven stars today. We're going to just go right on to the message. And if you're wondering what does that mean, I guess that will be the homework for you for this week to do a little bit of research, figure that one out. But let's go on with the next verse. It says, I know all the things you do. And we've heard this phrase in each of these lessons. God knows what we're doing. God knows who we are, what we're thinking, and what we're doing About it. And in the other, in in contrast to this letter, the other letters that we see, there was a great compliment that God was giving to the people. It was like, I know the love that you have for me and one another. I know the work that you've done. I know the suffering that you have endured. But in this one, all God says, I know all things you do. You have a reputation. Is that a compliment? Mm, we 're not quite sure yet, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like one it kind of sounds a little bit neutral and a little bit threatening and your reputation is that you 're alive now we talk about churches this church being alive this that, that church being dead this this group uh, things are happening and and he, the, the the church in Sardis is a church that appears to be Alive. What is that, what do you think that means? To me, it, it means they might be active. There's a lot of busyness going on in the church. To me, it might, they would appear to be worshiping God. Maybe, they're, maybe they've got the best musicians. And in fact, the, the, the city of Sardis was known to be a place, actually, in history, we know this from sources outside of the Bible. The city of Sardis was one of the first places in the world where they know that they started to mint coins, gold and silver. So, so Sardis is like the Fort Knox, what we would know as the Fort Knox, where, where our nation at one time stored all of its gold or much of its gold in, in Fort Knox. Sardis was that place. And they were known for this, and it was also a, play, a, a, a somewhat of a royal place, so the best and the brightest would be there. And you would expect ah, I guess I'm thinking in the United Methodist tradition, as, as we go through our cities, there's always, a, there's always a, a primary United Methodist Church in every city. Sometimes it's first United Methodist Church. One of my college friends she 's the pastor in in detroit at the at the big central united methodist church that 's the name of the church central united methodist church it 's a famous church Martin Luther King jr. spoke from that pulpit in the '60s and when my when my friend was appointed as the pastor, the uh, uh, social issues are one of her passions, and so she was humbled and proud to have been appointed. And I remember when she was appointed at the church, she took a picture of the pulpit and she was humbled by the idea that she would stand in the same pulpit where Martin Luther King Jr. stood and proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. Sardis has that reputation of being the place where the best and the brightest would worship God and and proclaim. And that's their reputation. But let's look at the next phrase. God says, but you are dead. Wake up! Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. What's he talking about? He certainly got our attention. Jesus, I thought everything was fine. I go to the best church. I have the best house. I have a family that acts perfectly. They're on their way. My children are on their way to Harvard. They're going to get a free ride or name the school. Because we we taught them to study in school or to or to work hard on the athletic field so that they can get the scholarship. It's perfect. But where's your spirit? Is your spirit alive? Everything looks perfect. But inside, you're dying. He says, I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Of course they don't. Because I'm not trying to live my life according to the requirements of your God. Who is God then? I'm God of my life. And therefore my my, my actions only have to match up to the requirements that I have for my life. And that's what I want. We have to recognize that there will be a day of reckoning for each of us we will be asked, who did you serve? Which God did you pay attention to? And God is saying to this church in Sardis, this church that proclaimed to worship the one and only God, Proclaimed to worship God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Proclaimed to worship God of all creation. But their actions still do not meet the requirements of the one they claimed to be their God. They're in trouble. And they're dead because of it. And God says, go back. To what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. We heard this in all the other letters also. Hold firmly. Repent. Repent means to turn around. Repent. I I took... Several too too many years of French in high school and failed the test in college, so I had to take more years of French in college. <laughs> there's a word in French, repense, which means to answer. But I think of it, and, and, and pense is to think, and to think in the French, repense, to think again. And I think maybe there's a connection between our English word repent and the French word "repenser." Repense. In the Latin, to think again. Repent means to stop, turn around, think again, and act accordingly to that. He says, if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as an unexpected thief. Now, let's hear this. If you do wake up, I'm still coming to you. So Christ is coming regardless of we're awake or asleep. The only question is, which are you? And will you be prepared to recognize Christ as the Christ? Or will you be asleep and surprised? And he says, yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. Another indicator of what these people are doing. They have the appearance of doing everything right. But they have allowed evil to get into their lives, to sneak in the back door and soil their purity that God calls us all to. He says, be holy as I am holy. That's the standard of the action that God has for us. He says that there are some in the church in Sardis, who have not soiled their clothes with evil, they will walk with Me in white, for they are worthy. White simply is the sign of purity. It has nothing here to do with race. Yeah, you're welcome, Pastor Vaughn. For they are pure, they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white in that purity of God. And he said, I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and His angels that they are Mine. Who is this? She's Mine. We need to hear that. Who is this? He's mine. Who are you? (laughs) I'm His. Can you say that? I hope so. Don't go another day without the confidence of knowing that you are the Lord's. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. I've already mentioned in previous, in contrast to the previous letters, Sardis receives no compliment before they receive the complaint. I don't think they receive much of a compliment. They have a reputation of being alive, but you can't get that sentence out without already hearing the but that is coming after it. But you're dead. This letter is a sharp, harsh, Wake-up call. I remember riding in the car just last week. Sorry, my nose is a little running. Pastor Vaughn, can you grab me one of those tissues over there, please? Um, Carol and I were riding in the car the other day when she said, I wish I could find a gentle alarm clock sound that didn't shock me in the morning. Thank you. <laughs> and then she said, but if I found that, Gentle alarm. It probably wouldn't wake me up. <laughs> so what's the use? Many of us will remember the harsh sound, and I see videos uh, 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 online about you know memories from the 1970s, the 1980s. And one of the videos I saw showed this alarm clock that was probably one of the most popular alarm clocks in the 1980s. And probably some of you, some of you probably still have this, and it makes that beautiful sound that goes. take the microphone off just to save the guys downstairs, down that horrible sound. And my son, even though he he wakes up to the the alarm on his phone, has that sound from the 1980s because he is a very sound sleeper. How asleep are you in your relationship with God? Jesus has got to shock this church into a different reality because they are headed toward death, and they don't even know it. Perhaps you or I need a reality shock to something in our lives. And here's the the thing. The more we teach ourselves and tune ourselves in to listen to these signals that God gives to us, and not just the signals that are warnings to stay away from that, to don't go here, to, to don't listen to that person, to get this influence out of your life. The more we tune those things out, the more we can tune in what God has given us in the positive sense to how to live our lives. He's given it right here in His Word. This is how I want you to live. The phrase the phrase was, your actions do not match up to the requirements of my God. What are the requirements of my God? And I said, be holy as I am holy. And Jesus summarizes all the law of God and all the teachings of the prophets with this simple phrase, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not just some of it. With all your soul with all your mind every one of your thoughts and all your strength whatever you do do well says ecclesiastes put all your strength behind it nobody gets to the foot nobody gets to the super bowl without putting their entire life into that effort and if there's a teammate on on the team that is not putting their 100% into it, could say 110, 120, we know what that means, but you can't give any more than 100%. Because we're talking percentages here. Somebody that's not giving their all is held accountable by who? By the entire team. Come on, man. You missed it. Yeah, I didn't really want to catch it today. I just didn't feel it. It's the Super Bowl. (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your might. And with all that effort that is given to love God, Jesus says the second command is just like it, equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I, I don't—I don't say this to brag. I didn't show us the, the the picture of us standing in the cold at Butch's funeral to brag on us. We need to celebrate when we get it right, <laughs> and stop when we get it wrong. Turn around and repent when we get it wrong. I'm so proud of Pastor Sharon for sticking with Butch and finding out. She spent hours trying to find him. She couldn't even find a a, a Social Security number. Nobody had it. The government couldn't find it. So they put him in this, this room with other people who were unidentifiable, labeled as indigent, and marked to be buried in Potter's Field because we don't know who he is. You know, we have a Potter's Field right here in Newcastle County. It's labeled Potter's Field. It's next to the prison. Between the prison, here's Potter's Field, and here's the junkyard, the landfill where all our trash goes. That's where Butch was headed. He had another place over here in Grace Lawn. He'd taken time to purchase a a burial plot. The woman that he loved was buried there. Her name was right there. He even had his name etched on the stone already. He had a plan. But he was alone and didn't have anybody to follow through his plan. Thank you, Pastor Sharon for picking up the pieces of that and representing us. Because we are the body of Christ. And when you're out at the workplace and you're making decisions and you're dealing with a colleague or you're a supervisor and and you're reprimanding or, or, or holding accountable one of your employees that you supervise, you still represent us. And you represent Jesus Christ and how you speak to that person. I got in the car this morning. We always stop at Wawa on the way to church. It's the only day. It's, it's a tradition for me and Carolyn. For 20 years I made Carolyn follow me and my family in ministry at upstate New York. And, and so she missed Wawa because there are no Wawas in New York. And every time we came down to Delaware to visit Grandma and be here on vacation, which was a couple times every year, I always went to Wawa before Carolyn got up in the morning and I got her coffee every day on vacation. So going to Wawa is a treat. And when we moved here, I said, I'm not going to Wawa every day to get you coffee. (laughs) But I will take you, every Sunday morning we'll stop at Wawa and get our coffee. And that's what we do. So I went to Wawa this morning. I got our two coffees. And I came back to the car. And I noticed that when I put the lid on my coffee, that something wasn't right. And I I put Carolyn's coffee in the cup holder. I picked my coffee up like this. And I got it over here. And all of a sudden, the lid fell off. And boom, here goes my coffee all over us in the car. I said, Carolyn, we're scrambling for napkins. And we've said for... For, for for months. We need to get more napkins in this car so that when things happen we have it. I say and so Carolyn's getting some some tissues that we, we do puffs plus. They got the lotion on them. They're not real good for absorbing messes like that. And we found a couple napkins but they were all sopped up already and we got coffee every place in the car. And and I I I, I harshly spoke to Carol. Well clean it up she held me, she held me accountable. (laughs) And my mother-in-law is sitting in the back seat, zipping her mouth shut, which is the right thing to do, thank you. (laughs) And Carolyn said, your words were fine, your tone was not.
3: <laughs> she's a good
4: wife, and she's right. And I said, "Listen to my words, not my tone <laughs> and I don't learn that was not helpful, Carolyn. I am sorry. Do you forgive me, Carolyn? Thank you. <laughs> What's she going to (laughs) say? There are lots of people watching. (laughs) Your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Be holy as I am holy in every way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your wife as yourself. And love your neighbor as yourself. Remember the days before smoking was made public, or was before smoking was banned in public places? You'd go into a restaurant, and there's one or two people smoking at a table beside you, and if you were a non-smoker, you still came out smelling like smoke. Remember the day I woke up one morning with a horrible odor in the house? I was I was a junior in high school, fifteen or sixteen years old. Horrible smell in the house. Mom had gone off to some kind of convention. I don't know where she was. My sisters, were, uh, my, 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 uh, my sisters were at college, and my brother was at college, and it was just me and Dad at home. I was a junior in high school, so I was responsible to get myself on the school bus, which wasn't a problem. I, w- I was certainly capable of doing that. But I woke up, and there's this horrible smell in the house, and I can't get rid of it. And it, it, I promise, it wasn't me. A skunk had crawled under the house in the night. And something had bothered that skunk and there was a fight. Maybe it was a cat. That skunk had sprayed all over the place. And everything in the house smelled like skunk. And my nose had gotten adjusted to it, so it wasn't as strong to me as it really was. And I thought I was okay. But there was a stench about me. <laughs> So the school bus came, I got on the school bus, as soon as I got on the school bus, you know, it stopped in front of my house, everybody on the school bus smelled the skunk, as soon as I got on the bus, everybody's already going,
6: eee,
4: there's a skunk, and we're all assuming as the school bus pulls away, we'll get some fresh air, and I only lived two miles from the school, so it was only a ten minute ride, and, and we finally got to school, and the smell didn't go away. And I had a place where I always hung out before homeroom class, and and so I was there, and everybody's, what, it stinks in here. And I'm just sitting there. I know it's me. (laughs) But I didn't do it. Skunk did it. All day long, as people are going past my locker, my locker was next to the chemistry room, and so every time they went past, they'd complain about the smell, and then they'd say, oh, They're doing some kind of horrible experiment in the chemistry class. And I just sheepishly walked by. Finally, I went to, I don't know what period class it was, but it was the English class. I remember that. I sat down in my desk. I had my stack of books sitting in the rack underneath my seat. And I sat there, and Darren had had enough of Roger's stink. So Darren walks over to me. He, he grabs the books from underneath my desk. He walks over to the window. He opens the window. He throws my books out the window. We were on the uh, ground level. They just fell right into the grass outside the school. And then Darren comes back to me and he grabs the sides of my desk. You know, it's, of course, it's got that bar that's attached to the seat and I'm still sitting in the seat. He grabs the desk turns me, pulls me into the aisle, drags me down the aisle in front of the class, out the door, into the hall, spins me around and says, here, you're going to sit here today. He goes back in class. The teacher continues class and I just listen from outside. (laughs) By then it was just funny and I was playing along. You're thinking, why didn't you... Call your mom. Well, mom wasn't home. Dad certainly wasn't going to bring me a change of clothes. Sit in the stink, Roger. And it was a farming community. We were used to kids coming to school with different odors on them. (laughs) You just live with it. Some of you remember Sussex County and the chickens that used to be there. My wife grew up to an elementary school in Sussex County that was right next to a chicken farm. And they sat there in the smell, so don't complain so much. I thought everything was okay, but it was not. What's going to wake us up from the reality in our lives that there's a stench in there that God wants to cleanse, God wants to purify, God wants to get it out? I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about this question. What does it take to wake us up? We've all been there. We've all made realizations in our lives that, that we said, Oh, I've got to change something. I've got to go a different direction. And we wonder, why did I wait so long to take, make this change? What wakes us up? I have one answer. It's the best answer I have. And I think it's true. But you're not going to like the answer. Because I don't like the answer. And it's a simple four-letter word. Probably not the one that you're thinking. And that four-letter word is P-A-I-N. I hope I spelled that right. Pain. We're such stubborn human beings that we generally don't make these kinds of changes in our lives until... until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. Some of us say, I hate change. Of course you do. So we sit with whatever situation is not good until it gets too painful. Then we're willing to make the change because the pain of changing suddenly is easier than the pain of staying the same. If you're one of those people, stay there. Stay there. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep thinking what you're thinking. Keep going down that painful road. But I'm telling you, you don't have to. I wish that another four-letter word compelled me always to to follow God, and that four-letter word is L-O-V-E. But here's what happens when I experience somebody loving me. I want to be with that person. But I want to be with that person and experience the love that they've got as well as continue to do the same thing that I've always done because I like it. But it's causing me pain. And it's taking me down a road that leads to death. And I can't. But I want this love. And that's exactly what God is describing in this church. You have the appearance of loving, but you're really dead. You can't have both. I was, early in my ministry, I was a youth director at a church down in Georgia. There was a young girl there named Ashley. She was 16 years old. She drove an old Mercedes to school every day with great embarrassment because she knew that her father could afford a brand new Mercedes. <laughs> but he was a wise man and he didn't want her having a brand new powerful car like that. Give her an old Mercedes that none of the boys want to drive. <laughs> He was an anesthesiologist. They were well off. They had everything they needed. They lived in a house in a gated community that looked like a French mansion. The house looked like a French mansion. Alongside a lake. Beautiful. She looked immaculate every day. And I looked at Ashley when I met her and I thought, well, you're just a little rich girl. You don't know suffering. And I was judging her. And I got a wake-up call one day when I heard the story, I think from her dad, that he told me that when Ashley was five years old, Ashley's mother committed suicide. And then I looked at Ashley totally different. Her pain gave me a wake-up call. We can let somebody else's pain warn us to make a change before we get caught in our own sinfulness. We can do that. You can do that. And I encourage you to. Then one day, I took the youth group on a mission trip to the same organization that we, last summer, sent our youth group to in, in the Appalachian Mountains. So this was back in 1989. Ashley and 14 other teenagers and a few other adults and I went... To the Appalachian Mountains to help repair homes, and Ashley, she went there with all of her uh, affluence. She had her. She went out shopping and got nice outfits to wear. She knew it was going to be hot. She took all of her makeup. She took her hair dryer. She took the curling iron. All this stuff. She used it one day, and she realized, well, this stuff isn't going to work up in the holler. <laughs> And Ashley never expected that by the third day on that mission trip, her life would change. Here she was. She'd fallen in love with the children in the family that we were helping rebuild their tiny little home that was smaller than the stage on which I'm standing, it had four rooms in it, and we were putting drywall up inside so that they could be insulated and warm during the winter. Ashley's life was changed because she saw the way some other people lived. We can get off that road that leads us to hell before we experience the hell. And I encourage you to do so. How do we get off it? We trust in Jesus Christ. We give our lives to Jesus Christ. What causes us to wake up? I think it's often pain. And I've experienced enough pain in my life to know I've had some close calls in the car because of my stupidity in driving, because of my anger, because of my urgency that didn't really need to be. So thankful somebody saved me. Thank you, Jesus. And you probably also have those stories. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus ushers us into God's presence, as we sang earlier, because Jesus paid the price for our sinfulness on the cross. The blood of Jesus that dripped down that cross cleanses us, purifies us, makes us white as snow, as this scripture says, simply by our trust in Him and our willingness to obey Him and follow Him. And we get to this verse in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. I, I say this often. <clears throat> the quote is this, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind. This is my paraphrase. Let's read what's on the screen. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Because you know that when your faith is tested, And your faith will be tested. And many times, the testing of our faith is extremely painful. Extremely disappointing. And we can cry out to God, God, why did You let me experience this? Why did that happen? And it does not mean that God has abandoned you. And it it does not necessarily mean that you have done anything wrong. God just says your faith is going to be tested. We need to expect it. So when our faith is tested, our endurance has a chance to grow. And if our faith is not tested, our endurance has no chance to grow. Strain, pain are necessary for life. Jesus, I wish it was different. But it's not. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, fully mature you will be perfect and complete and you will need nothing brother and sister in Christ stay holding on to the truths of God in a few minutes we're going to remind ourselves what those truths are and it's the crux of it is Jesus Christ he's at the center of eating nothing. The church in Sardis apparently did not allow their suffering to endure. Apparently they took some kind of shortcut and it was killing their souls. Don't take shortcuts. So I ask you, what's God saying to you today about your life? Let God, let the Holy Spirit do a spiritual x-ray <laughs> over your life and point out the brokenness to you. Are you brave enough? Let God point out the brokenness in you. Listen. He will lead you to life. If you trust him, turn it over to him. Commit yourself to follow him and invite him to live in you and teach you and guide you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. going to take communion in a few minutes and it is a perfect opportunity for us to confess and to make a decision for Jesus Christ and I know some of us, many of us probably have already made that decision, Jesus I will follow you, Jesus I receive the gift of the forgiveness that you won for me and that you're offering to me I take it, thank you and I'm going to turn around and live my life and you may be saying, I don't know if I can do that every day, right, me either But every day I say, Jesus, here I am again. I need your help today. Come and fill me once again with your presence. And he does. I'm still growing. I'm not perfect. We're all growing. We're all becoming pure as Christ is pure. Be holy as I am holy, says our Lord. Uh, We have some documents, ancient words that we say often and we're going to say them in a few minutes that proclaim what it is we believe. We call it the Apostles' Creed. There are other different creeds that say similar things, but I invite you to say these with me. I invite you to stand with me if you will or if you're at home, follow along. And let's say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's take this opportunity just for pause for a moment and ask if there is any sin that you need to confess, is if there is any ugliness in your life that you that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I want you to change this. And let's pray together the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. I invite you to take the little cup of juice and the wafer that's on the table or the chair uh, beside you. Anyone need gluten-free? I'm going to ask Rick if you would take the gluten-free uh, elements, and just raise your hand if you need if you need gluten-free, and uh, Rick will bring bring that to you. Go ahead and peel off the the clear cellophane on top to reveal the little wafer that's under there. And then you can peel open the foil underneath that and expose the juice that's underneath. Let's remember together as we pray. Father, we thank You for this gift. We remember what Jesus did on that night He was betrayed, that He took the bread, He gave thanks to You. He broke the bread and He gave it to His disciples and said, take, eat, this is My body which is given for You. When the supper was over, He took the cup and He gave thanks to You and He gave it to His disciples saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, the new relationship, the new promise for all people. Jesus, we ask You to pour out Your Holy Spirit upon us. That You have forgiven us. We thank You. That You are cleansing us. That You are making us holy. You are transforming our hearts, our minds, and our actions. We can be more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Look forward to that day of completion that you have for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take and eat and be thankful and drink together with gratitude. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift that you have given to us, for the peace that you give to us the hope, for the purpose, for the strength, to live lives as you desire us to live. Thank you, Jesus. You're merciful, mighty, and kind. And we praise you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to continue to come if you want to come here and pray, pray at the platform area or you want to meet somebody at the um, prayer station's. Uh, for prayer, I invite you to do so. Let's continue to be in prayer as we sing. Uh, spend some time in the presence of the Lord today. You've heard the invitation,
0: folks at the prayer stations. The front is open. God, we just want to be where you are. We want to be in your presence. Fill us, Lord. Help us to see where we need to turn around.
5: God, we give ourselves to you
0: today, every bit of us. So, Lord, my prayer today is that you would deliver me from me and help me to be who you want me. Wake up to that reality. God, we thank you. We honor you today. If you're worshiping online with us, there'll be some folks around for another 15 or 20 minutes. If you still need prayer or if you want to make a decision, we're going to continue in an attitude of worship, an atmosphere of worship here in the room. Open, folks are still at the prayer stations. When you need to go, you can go. God bless you. We're just going to continue to worship. And hearing your
5: prayer.